You are now tuned to Priority One Subspace Frequencies. Brought to you by Sayulita.com. Sayulita, the galaxy's premier shore leave destination. Recorded live on Thursday, February 7th, 2013, via trekradio.net, and published every Monday morning for download on PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Adrian. And I'm Elijah. Do-do-do. Yeah, we got party happening on DS9 Quark's Bar. We'll talk more about that. And yeah, what, what do we got going this week? All right. In Trek It Out this week, we set sails to the ends of the universe when NASA launches a solar sail project uh, due in 2014. And Adrienne tells us her experience at the HMS Pinafore production set to Star Trek, which must have been awesome to see. Oh, yes. yes. We'll review all the happenings this week in Star Trek Online News and reintroduce you to ground combat in this episode's installment of Field Notes. As always, towards the end of the show, we'll open hailing frequencies and review your incoming messages. Captains, be sure to listen in on our live recording on Trek Radio every Thursday at 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern. You can actually chat live with us in-game by typing channel underscore join trekradio.net. Or if you're at work or mobile, you can visit trekradio.net and jump on their IRC chat client, which can be found under the community link. And we've always got that up. The hosts, we are there, we are watching, and yeah, come join us. Speaking of participating with the team of Priority One, the start of 2013, as I've said before, has been great. And already we're expanding. We're currently looking for two audio editors to help with the weekly production of our primary Priority One podcast, as well as Trek It Out and In Development. So if you're interested and have dabbled in audio production before, send us a snippet of your projects over to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Remember, we are a labor of love. Everything that we do here is uh, voluntary, and uh, I must say the production quality is quite high. So, if you want to join in and be a part of all the fun, send us an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. You'll be part of some amazing interviews, fantastic projects. Hey, join us in Vegas, because I already got my flight. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Dude, I know I got to do that too soon, but I need to save up a little bit more money before I do that. Because before that, there is the Burbank convention coming up. That's uh, in like a week and a half. So I will be there and Darsluga will be there, assuming my costume can be finished by then, which I think it will. So I'm going to check that place out because it's not as big as the Vegas one, but I am very eager to totally explore and meet people. And so if you're in Southern California, head on over to the sci-fi Grand Slam Star Trek convention. It's put on by the same people who do the Vegas one. And maybe pop in for a little bit. See if you can find me or we'll go get something to eat or uh, cause trouble. I don't know. You know, 
It's all good. Uh, there's also one in Pennsylvania, I think. There's a listener of ours who's telling us about one coming up, too. But I don't know when that's Yep, that's, that's right. Do you know? Coming up in April, we've got Philadelphia Convention here. I will most certainly be in attendance. I'll be teaming up with TrekRadio.net, DJ Feek, hopefully to, to get you guys some awesome information and scoops from the convention. Yeah, yeah. In case any of you guys like to write, you can join our team Get your writings up on our website for everybody to see and comment on and just share your love of any topic that is relevant to the interests of Priority One community, which can be Star Trek, sci-fi, movies, costuming, electronics, you know, you name it. If you've got like something that you really, really love, something you really know about, or something you want to learn about, you know, take us on your journey, write it up. You can submit it to us to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And any submissions that we do receive for our show will be entered into this month's random drawing. You get 1,000 zen if you are chosen. This drawing also includes any comments on our website and emailed segment topics. So you don't have to just submit writing. You can also just send us a comment, send us a, a hello or an idea that you have. If you're with a fleet and you want us to spotlight your fleet, let us know. Captains, we've renamed the segment Blank of the Week to Trek It Out because, well, we thought it made more sense to incorporate a bite-sized version of our longer spin-off show during our weekly podcast. However, the content remains the same. Anything we think would interest you, from the latest scientific discoveries to news in the science fiction realm, including, of course, Star Trek. Well, before we move on with the show, let's recap what's been going on at PriorityOnePodcast.com. In his latest installment of Spirit of Trek, Soridium explores how Trek has evolved in the hands of fan-written literature and foundry missions, explored new Trek adventures even without a new television series. In our latest podcast in development, Simon Ludgate reviews Chris Taylor of Gas-Powered Games, famed creators of the Dungeon Siege universe and Supreme Commander, among many others. In his interview... Chris tells us of their latest exciting project currently up on Kickstarter, Wild Man, a unique take on the action RP genre. So check those out. Be sure to visit PriorityOnePodcast.com for unlimited access to all of this great content. Well, let's get ready to Trek It Out. What place is this? I don't know. Let's Trek It Out. In an NBCNews.com article, Leonard David reports that NASA is scheduled to launch the world's largest solar sail in 2014. According to David, the device will use photons from the sun to push a craft through space. The project's main goal is to help demonstrate the value of propellantless propulsion. Say that three times fast. Dubbed Sunjammer, the giant solar sail measures about 124 feet, 38 meters, on a side and boasts a total surface area of nearly 13,000 square feet. That's uh, 1,208 square meters, or one-third of an acre. Nathan Barnes, Lagarde's chief operating officer and executive vice president, as well as Sunjammer's project manager, says, With this sale, we're targeting our end goal somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,864,114 miles, 3 million kilometers distance from the Earth. Made of Kapton with the help of the uh, DuPont company, when collapsed, the Sunjammer solar sail is the size of about a dishwasher and weighs just about 70 pounds, 32 kilograms. Trek fans should be warmed to know that the ashes of Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry and his wife, Majel Barrett Roddenberry, will be part of the launch. He really does want to be a part of everything in space. It's pretty cool. <laughs> the great bird of the sky. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. So uh, you recently uh, caught a stage production, didn't you? 
I did. You know, it's interesting because I saw your comment on it initially and I didn't know that it existed. This is something that it turns out it's in my area. And when I saw you post about it and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to be a part of this. I'm like, oh my gosh, I could have been a part of this maybe, but it was right in my neighborhood. So we did, we went and saw it and we saw the second to last performance that they did. What we're talking about here is the Gilbert and Sullivan's HMS Pinafore, The Next Generation. That's the title of this play. And for all you guys who know Gilbert and Sullivan's classics, it can be very corny and very simple isn't quite what I want to say here, but the tunes are adorable. I'll just put them that way. And you combine that with the power of a great cast of Star Trek characters and the songs combined with our favorite Star Trek characters. It's just, it's a brilliant chaos. It's hilarious. So what they did was they built this giant stage set that looks gorgeous of the inside of the Enterprise, the bridge. And they've got the main characters. They all go by kind of alternate names. And the storyline has been altered a little bit to fit the cast. So the captain plays the captain. And the interesting twist is Riker and Troy have a love interest in this play. They do, except that Troy is the captain's daughter and the captain is with our dear Troy's mother. And it's really hilarious. So anyway, had a great time seeing this at the Dinklespiel Auditorium. It was put on by the Stanford Savoyards. And I wanted to read a little bit about it. So the program that I was handed is lovingly crafted. The art was done by Jan Hyman and Ravi Soundararajan. Oh, gee, I'm going to, I'm sure I'm bashing this name. They were heading this up along with the music director, Madeline Graham, the producer, Chris Large, Erica McKay, tech director and set design. So the first page of this program, when you turn it, it's a picture of the cast of TNG in a boat with the captain pointing off and with Jordy looking into a telescope off of the head of the ship and Data's on it and Worf and Riker and Troy are getting comfy in the back. It's cute. It was performed with a projection on the wall of words that you could follow along while they sang, as well as things that they saw out of their bridges screen. So if they were talking with someone, it would be projected onto the wall next to the stage in the shape of a screen cutout. And they said that the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Tribbles monitored the Tribble action. And indeed, there were lots of Tribbles on this. No Tribble was harmed during the making of this theatrical production. In the event of an emergency, we may have to separate from the saucer section. So that's the <laughs> intro in this program. It's really cute. One thing I really enjoyed was just the operatic take, classic Gilbert and Sullivan. But it's being performed by all your favorites, so it's great. This, oh, you had everything on there. Orion slaves and all of these women in what it seemed like a variety of attire that women from every series from Star Trek would have worn, from the really cheesy to the uh, the very glamorous. And it was done so well. So it just goes on to give wonderful credits, all the cast. They were great. And it was so much fun. I'm going to get a theater group together and we're going to put Macbeth on stage on Quonos. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to direct the Klingon version of Macbeth. Yep. All right. Yep. I wish I was able to, to see that production. I mean, you guys know I'm a huge theater person. I mean, for goodness sake, I went to school for it. Would have loved to have seen that production. Hopefully, you know, maybe they take it on tour and they go all over the place. All right, Captains, discover something you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about. Then send it over to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And you'll be submitted into our random drawing for 1,000 Zen. Let's go ahead and check out what happened in Stow News. Computer status report. Status. 
Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. On February 1st, community manager Brand Flakes posted the Friday screenshot. What better screenshot to post than the little Romulan teaser image that was spotted at the end of the PC Gamer promotional video? You guys know what I'm talking about. Oh, yes. March on That's the, the uh, March of, but it's uh, coming out in May. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Isn't that the. It's not in March, it's in May. March under the Raptors' wings. All right, so most of the people, at least in the comments to the posts that I've seen on the website, seem to believe and seem quite certain that this is the teaser to introduce a new Romulan faction. And if I was a betting man, I'd place my $60 on uh, story-driven content and not a new faction. So here's the thing. Originally, the purpose of the KDF was to help introduce a PvP element to the game. Unfortunately, I don't think that the original producer, Craig Zinkovic, anticipated the burning desire for players to have a fully fleshed out Klingon faction. It's kind of like how City of Heroes was released. Heroes could PvP, but that doesn't really make sense in the universe of the Federation. So they kind of half developed the KDF to give players a, a sensible option for PvP and help drive the story of the Feds versus the Klingons at war. So fast forward three years. The game has now launched free to play making it a whole lot more accessible to many, many more players, and in turn, more demand for a second faction with a dedicated story arc. Just like you would find, for instance, in another MMO like World of Warcraft, right? Uh, Horde versus Alliance. I can't see justification to introduce a third faction into the game when we still don't really have an enthralling red versus blue element. You know, we don't have territory control. PvP still needs some work. Now, I'm not necessarily just trying to appease our KDF friends, because it really boils down to game mechanics and gameplay. Establish the sides, improve PvP, make us feel like we're at war, and then maybe, just maybe, introduce a new faction. But then again, Dan Stahl has said that this is not just any regular season update. This is an update in and of itself with a whole new name. So maybe, just maybe, we'll get Klingons and a Romulan faction, but... My money, my $60, is on just story-driven content. Up next in Still News, we've got a spotlight on the Foundry. The team over at Cryptic has added more past spotlighted Foundry missions to the Spotlight Mission Archive in-game. According to Brand Flakes, over the next couple of weeks, as past spotlighted authors continue to submit their missions for featuring in the in-game journal, we will be populating the archive with even more of your past favorites. The following is a list of missions, all designed for the Klingon faction. Time the Enemy by Havraha. Federation Desperation by Mazikin. General Rebellion by Captain P.F. Dennis. And Raktagino in a Jar by Drogen1701. To play these Founder missions, log on to a Klingon character, open your mission journal with the J key, and click on the Founder tab at the top. Then, the Spotlight Mission tab on the left. So big shout out to our friends over at the GNT show. They had the opportunity to sit and chat with lead writer Christine Kestrel Thompson from Cryptic Studios. So did anyone listen to the interview? Yeah, I, I got a chance to listen to it. I mean, the team over at GNT show, they conduct some really great interviews. It's, it's really fun to listen to the questions and, and such the light atmosphere. It's really cool. It's the same thing for Christine Kestrel Thompson and, and that interview. It was really fun to listen to. They did a great job. They asked some great questions. And her energy and her excitement for the game and for her writing for the game is so prevalent. It's really exciting. So it's good to know that somebody with that kind of passion is the one writing the stories that continue the Trek saga. 
Last but certainly not least, STO's third-year anniversary event comes to a close on Thursday, February 14th at approximately 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you haven't yet logged into the game to experience what everyone has been talking about, well, well, I, you know what? Then I, just just turn off. Just 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 you're nuts. You're nuts. You're nuts. You're crazy. You're just crazy. So each day during the event, you can talk to Q on Earth, Space Dock, or Kronos to acquire a daily mission that grants you a special level-appropriate item, Dilithium, or this year's Party Popper, which uh, sprays balloons. And for some, the whole balloon thing was really fun, and for others, it <laughs> made Earth Space Dock a nightmare to walk through. I didn't experience the latter. I was fine. It was interesting to see the new graphic, so that was cool. Oh, I love the balloons. Actually, yeah, I noticed the chopping and stalling and slowing up of the system when I had originally gotten this through the mission last week and i was throwing balloons all over the place and yeah it totally messed the system up but it's all good now it looks like it's working smooth so lots of balloons no problems it's so much fun now unless you've been living under a horda when it comes to still news uh you can also play the featured episode temporal and bash get it horda because not rock but horda i wrote down rock but i said horda because horda is kind of like a rock <laughs> i made a joke <laughs> all right all right i give up I'm keeping my day job. So unless you've been living under a horda when it comes to STO news, you can also play the featured episode Temporal Ambassador, starring the voice talents of Denise Crosby, reprising her role as Tasha Yar from The Next Generation. For playing the mission, you're awarded the highly anticipated Tier 3 and Tier 5 Ambassador class starships, or the Cameraman class for our Klingon friends. We talked up that episode last week because we were able to get in and play it, and so... If you ha really, if you haven't gotten into play Temple Ambassador, it's just so awesome to have Denise Crosby voice and reprise her role as Tasha Yar. It's so exciting. Yeah, I, I just thought it was amazing that they got Denise Crosby, and she was so excited to do it, too. If you guys get a chance, look up on YouTube, quote-unquote, Denise Crosby and Al Rivera. And you can hear him go up to the front of the panel where she's, she's talking to everybody. And he's one of the many people who got in line to ask questions. And when he gets up there, he starts talking about Stowe. And she suddenly lights up and goes, oh, my gosh, you're the guy I was supposed to talk to. And uh, he's like, oh, uh, that's cool. And, and he lights up. And, and they just, oh, the, it's, it's such a cool conversation they start to have. And then she just starts exploding on all the amazing things that she could see the story becoming. And it was just awesome. It was just really awesome, and it's so cool that they got her. It just makes it even better that she wanted to be there so bad. So check that video out. Yes, and for those of you uh, that have been following us on Twitter, by the time you listen to this podcast, we would have released part one of our two-part interview with Al Rivera, and he goes into great detail on his awesome story, talking with Denise Crosby. His video that is on his YouTube channel, we'll link in the show notes for it. It's an awesome video. He lit up talking about his experience working with her and putting together this Stowe anniversary event. It's just awesome. So stay tuned for that. The second part of the interview will be released next Thursday we're aiming for. So that's Thursday the 14th. It's a long interview. We sat down with him for almost three hours. So stay tuned for that. That wraps up this week in Star Trek Online news. Let's breathe new life into ground combat with this episode's Priority One Field Notes. I'm sure there is an answer. Well, better get some facts. And joining us again for this episode's field notes is Pug01, round combat coach for the PvP bootcamp. Welcome to the show again, Pug. Hi. How you doing? Not bad, thank you. So today we're going to be going through uh, the basics of some ground combat, right? Uh, that's correct, yes. All right, let's go ahead and jump right in. So 
what's quite exciting about ground in this game in my opinion is the mechanics is different than any other game out there quite a lot of times people look at ground and they're like this doesn't work right and uh, the issue is is that it's a completely different mechanics than any other game out there you have this rpg overview control but you're only controlling one player but then you have all of the shooter kind of style set up as well and it mixes in a different way in such a way that it, it's unique in its own way and you almost have to forget about what you learned in other games when you go look at the ground and relearn new things and then go and see what applies from other games so the mechanics is very different it rewards a steady approach ground pvp is about being steady button smashers they tend to do very poorly in any ground situation if you're smashing a button on the ground you tend to do very very badly and it has to do with how the activation time occurs on the ground if you hit an ability there's usually a time before it gets activated and there's a queue of two items that can be queued and if you mash it you're changing the queue of what's queued next and so you sort of have to get this pace of how long it takes to activate things and in that manner it becomes almost like a turn style based game because you've got half second to activate this I've got a half second to activate this we're almost reading each other's buffs if I'm in a PvP situation to see what you're doing next and I'm hoping that I can counter it in a short enough time frame. If we look at it this way, there's different activation times but generally most abilities take a half second to activate. If I'm buffing up and I'm getting to a point where I'm, I'm starting to buff up but I'm not shooting my target yet but my opponent has done a small amount of buffs and starts shooting me he's already doing damage to me at that point right I'm not doing any damage to him I'm still loading my buffs the question is can I get all of my buffs loaded and do big enough damage at the end before he kills me with the softer buffs so the way to look at it is that you're doing a turn-based style even firing your gun mm -hmm. takes time if I'm shooting my gun that takes a moment if I'm loading an ability that takes a slot where I could have been shooting but at which point does the diminishing returns of doing more buffs and starting to shoot mm -hmm. come into play and so it becomes this balanced situation where if you think about it as a turn-based style game it becomes a lot easier to handle the gameplay a lot of people have a struggle with that they start jamming the keys and not realizing there's a time slot involved when you get that concept there's another thing that we get into and we call it the animation lock so what happens quite often that people struggle with is that they have this mini gun that they love right and they're shooting the secondary on that mini gun and it starts just spraying out bullets well while that mm -hmm. thing is spraying out bullets there is no other ability that you can load even though it's doing damage mm -hmm. out there that you can't activate anything else and that sometimes will get you killed because you sometimes need that hypo in between and that's a good example mm -hmm. to look at the turn-based game you investing so much time into this one ability does it really pay off and it will get into the picture in a little bit as I explained surviving in any ground scenarios okay so what is it that a person needs to keep an eye out for when launching an ability let's go down to this one's ability which is strike team if you look here it has the activation time is 1.25 seconds okay so i hit strike team two i go to hit 
two other Your abilities, hypo. like a hypo exactly. and then another ability. It'll skip the hypo because you can only have two queued at one time. Exactly, the one that's actively being executed mm -hmm. and the one right after that. So I have to wait 1.25 seconds, <clears> let that go, then activate another two abilities. Yeah, or I can already activate the one ability and then queue up the next one. And as I see that one activating, I can queue up the next one after that, right? If you get that concept, the ground becomes very unique. To be honest with you, the same thing happens in space. The same ruling applies in space. The only difference in space is that the activation times are almost all of them pretty low. Almost all of them 0.5 seconds at the most. And it seems to you like a server lag when it really isn't a server lag. It's an activation time. So this is why it's a turn-based style game, because the opponent sits in the same dilemma, okay? And because of that, I almost have to be, do I need to shoot some of my abilities before I do other abilities? They change their strategy. I might not want to run target optics immediately, or you know what? Suppressing fire might be more of a burning need at this point. Let me get it off. Just as an example for the tactical officer, right? Let's look at my suppressing fire. My suppressing fire is a very powerful ability, but if I'm running it, I'm doing a minus 30.3% all damage for 8.2 seconds. Yeah. So it reduces my the incoming damage to me. If I can shoot somebody with that, the amount of damage they do to me gets reduced. Now, the problem is, is that it changes as I buff up. Watch that second value. See how it becomes bigger and bigger? Okay. Okay. But now I buff up, I get my suppressing fire and I shoot. Now I lose the ambush buff, but now my new value is minus 44. There my buff starts wearing out and it goes down. But now let's think about this in concept. If the person is starting to just shoot at me, right, they're just slowly doing DPS. I might just want to get some suppressing fire out there to reduce the amount of DPS they're doing. And then I can buff up and start putting bigger and bigger suppressing fires out there. But the question is, is are they already doing a big hit on me or not? If they're just doing sustained DPS, I just need to get a suppressing fire going and I can buff up as I go. Because the time frames are different. And, and keep in mind the ground, you know, I'm sitting here with 614 hit points. I look at my primary fire on this gun is 156 DPS. If I just buff up a little bit, I'm at 200. That 200 is maybe going to be halved on my armor. That's about five seconds, and I'll strip all of the, my health off of somebody else that's equivalent to me with that DPS. So it becomes critical sometimes to do damage mitigation, and that's the really the next step that we're going to go into. So the how do we reduce the incoming damage? And you can't get there if you're smashing buttons. <laughs> so what I want you to be aware of is let's look at a few things that are important. Dodge is a very, very powerful ability on the ground. It's almost like bonus defense in this space, but the difference with dodge is that when I dodge an incoming hit, that damage is halved immediately before it's applied to my shields or armor. If I have a 100% dodge, that means 100% of the shot that is incoming is going to be dodged. If I have 50% dodge, then 50% of the shots are going to be dodged and that means in any of those situations when the dodge occurs the original damage is half right okay? okay so dodge is very very powerful so now here's some dodge right here on my buff bar and it's from crouching which is the c key 
that gives me 50% dodge. If I'm sprinting, which is 75% dodge. And when I roll, that's 100% dodge. So let's see how I can stack up dodge. I'm going to open up my character sheet here, and I'm going to look at the shield here, which is an Omega shield. And the first value is a 29.1% dodge chance. Okay, so if I take the crouch plus 50, add this in, I'm at 79.1% dodge. Okay, if I now put on the full Omega set, the three-piece bonus has another 14.5 dodge to self and allies. Okay, so if we want to add this all up, I've got the 50% from Crouch, I have this 29, plus the 14 from the three-piece set. I'm now at 94% dodge, roughly. If I add the gambling device, you see there's an increase in dodge. It doesn't list the number, but from our test, we've been able to determine that it's 10% dodge as well. The gambling device you can get from the Lobby store. There's some still on the exchange. Yeah. It is a very, very powerful device because it also increases your crit hit chance yeah. your crit severity you can lose it and you can see the values just below is when you lose it you lose critical hit chance you lose critical severity and you get a decrease in your dodge which is just the negative of it but it, when you lose it only lasts for one minute when you win it lasts for an hour very much like a trouble it functions very much like a trouble so with all of this together i have a hundred percent dodge there's one other thing we want to just take care of real quick, and that's the aim button. That's a free 33% damage increase right there. Aim 33% range damage on your guns. And that's very clear on the weapons. If I look at my weapon damage here and I press X, you can see that damage increase. So what we usually teach people is that you either want to be crouched and aimed. This is one of the states that you want to be in. There's three states. The other one is sprinting. And the other one is hiding behind hard cover. That's a free shield heal. And so when you're taking damage and you feel that you don't have the survivability and you know it's it's not going to be enough, hiding behind cover is very important. Uh, the terrain participates in the combat. So those are the three states that people should always try and follow. The next one is resistance. You want to know what damage you're receiving. You want to match up your armor to the resistance that you need for it. And generally what's the most common damage that you're receiving is all of the ones from phaser all the down to anti-proton. Okay, these are your most common weapon or energy damage that you see out there. Most of your armor that you want to that work against that is what's called energy dampening armor. The Omega and Mako armor sort of covers that. It's that plus all energy damage resistance that you want to find on armor. But there are situations where you find different kinds of damage. Um, melee damage is physical resistance. And if you've ever faced Armac in the end of the SDF in Cure, you go close up to him and he slaps his hands together and he knocks off almost all of your health. Well, that's physical resistance. That gauntlet of his does physical damage. It's the same thing that lunge does or pounce. If I was using a sword or the rifle bud, that's physical damage. So for that, you want some armor that protects you against that. And one of the nice armors against that is a poly alloy. Now, the problem with poly alloys is that they take away from the energy damage resistance. But there is a fleet version out there that combines some of the additional resistances 
that gets your energy damage uh, resistance back up to where the normal armor would be so that you can have that big physical kinetic and or energy damage resistance. So you would recommend the Mark 12 Elite armor over the Omega? Um, no, because the Omega has the set bonus. I get really big improvements from it. Additionally, look at the Omega armor. It has a plus 5% or energy damage, 2.5 critical hit chance, 20% crit severity. Those are values that are very difficult to find anywhere else. So at what point would you swap out to that polyweave? This is a very unique situation where I'm facing, say, two people using Operative Cloak, and they both are pouncing, super buffing a pounce on me. At that point, this is not going to do enough. And you can look at this, uh, my physical resistance is at 44%. If I put this armor on, I'm up at 61%. Okay, so one thing I wanted to show you here is I'm going to take out a gun here that's got a big animation lock. I want to show you how long this gun takes to activate. So I'm starting this gun up. I can't do any other abilities. Look at how long I'm trying to run everything else, and I'm still not running it. There I'm only running it. It's incredibly long. The gun itself takes about two seconds to activate and then runs for about three seconds afterwards. I cannot roll. I cannot sprint. I'm locked into this animation lock. In this whole time frame, I had no option to go to a hypo. I had no option to roll to get out of uh, AoE damage or sprint away. I was locked into this animation lock of this big gun. And because we know how important dodge is, this gun becomes a killer. And the person dying is me. So quite often, you can get everything else right. You can have the dodge up. You can have your resistance up. But in the end of the day, it's the weapon you choose that kills you. Miniguns is a really good example. Their secondary animation lock could be Vorsek. So stop trying to look cool, people. Get yourselves a good weapon. Yes. <laughs> good weapons that are quick are pulse waves. Compression pistols are the fastest gun in the game. If you were to do the calculation on the primary, it's a half second to shoot one shot out of the primary. Um, the DPS is pretty good, so if you maintain that primary, it's good. Type 3 phaser is good. You can get it from a mission. Now, getting down to damage, a lot of people want to do more and more damage. <laughs> um, Ooh, I think doesn't. that's the biggest thing that I sometimes see is that people aren't using their abilities. Um, quite often you can get an ability that will help you in a kit that has abilities on it that will do damage. Now, you generally want to just get used to burning your kit. Um, and for tactical officers, I strongly recommend the fire team kit. For engineers, enemy neutralization or equipment technicians are good kits to start out with. They both give you some ability to mitigate damage that's incoming, and they give you a good opportunity to deal good damage um, while staying with the team. For science officers, I'd like them to generally start with a medic kit because it's such a powerful ability for the medic. But if they want to do damage, the physicist kit is a very, very useful kit. Of course, you want to be aware of how debuffs work. Science officers are really good at debuffing. They have two abilities that debuff. Tactical officers have the fire my mark, which is a really powerful debuff. And you want to save it for your toughest targets. The same goes for engineers. They don't really have any debuffs. Their abilities is basically just shutting down people. But the most important thing I would say is use your kit. Don't just shoot your gun. If you have an ability, 
you'll have to learn it and in the boot camp we show people exactly how to do it uh, most people don't even activate 10% of their kits and last thing there's not as much many broken items out there or broken things or overpowered things they are very predominant when you do see them but generally you can combat the overpowered abilities there's waste in techniques this is all of the nice stuff that we demonstrate to everybody in the ground boot camp and we even go through combat scenarios where everybody can experience this all right pug thank you so much for joining us again this episode this is some amazing information That'll hopefully get people to uh, enjoy ground combat a lot more. Can you give us a little bit more information about PvP Bootcamp, where people can visit and when they can sign up? Yes, um, the, underneath the PvP gameplay forum, there's a sub-forum for Bootcamp. And the next event is already listed, and you will be able to sign up for that and get all of this experience. Uh, if we need to, we can catch you up a bit, and uh, hopefully everybody can get to enjoy some of the ground combat. I highly encourage everybody to check this out. Every time I sit down with one of the coaches from PvP Bootcamp, I learn something new about the game that I most certainly didn't know beforehand. So they're very organized, very detailed. It's phenomenal working with them. So thank you again for joining me this episode, Pug. We hope to have you again in the future. Why don't we open Hailing Frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing Frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. On the Stowe Forum, we got Azurian Star sending us in. Ha! You called Narendra Narada. What? I'm curious about Adrian's echo. Was she, <laughs> yeah, I know. Was she recording from the shower, or was she kidnapped by Ferengi and stuffed in one of those latinum vaults? Yeah. Uh, I don't know what was up with that. I think it's because I'm on a new system, a new computer, and I'm trying to get the settings right and all that. But the echoey thing, it was a combination. It was something on my side that I, I'm still trying to figure out, and... Then Tony was having issues, so my echo was actually from his side as well. So I had two things going against me. <sighs> Excuses. It's okay. It's all good. So there you go. Thank you for, for submitting. And the next one comes from Arcade Master, who says, Any ETA on the interview with Al? Actually, yes. Elijah, won't you explain? Our interview with uh, Al Rivera should have come out by now. So today's Monday. It should have come out the Friday before part one of a two-parter interview with our Rivera, lead designer. So as long as you have your feeds pointed in the right direction, and that's feeds.priorityonepodcast.com, you'll never miss a beat with Priority One. Coming to us via priorityonepodcast.com, Shad Newboy writes, Great job, everyone. Awesome show with lots of good information. I love the new episode, the featured episode he's referring to. Not so impressed with the Q game. My joined Trill is really enjoying her camerang over the veteran The Destroyer. The new mission really is as good as Elijah says. Truly superb. Yu Chen writes, I'm not very keen on being the guy who answers his own question, but over the weekend I got one of the new doffs from the lockbox whose ability shines some insight on what to do with Carrier's commander tactical slot. It's a security officer who increases threat generation for the targets of your attack pattern delta. So those of you with a Dreadnought Carrier, or a Recluse for that matter, should check out the exchange for the new security officers. So if you want to improve your space combat and attack pattern alpha, like Yu Chen suggests, keep an eye out for those new security officers. Thanks for the heads up, Yu Chen. Facebooks has Chris Keen sending us great show, guys. Love the idea about having a holodeck to be able to do some ship weapon testing. I have three different types of dual heavy phaser cannons, and it would be nice to know what set would be better with my ship and build. 
In this episode, there was a couple of things that made me a little less than happy. The first was when you talked about yesterday's Enterprise and said that Tashiar was sent to the past on the Enterprise C by Picard. Not that this was your fault, as it was also said by Sila. However, for those who know the yesterday's Enterprise episode, also known that Picard didn't send Tasha as she requested to do, practically begged Picard to go. So Picard never sent her, he just gave her permission to request. Picard sent her to die. He said, Get off my bridge! That's what he said. All right, Captains, thank you everyone who submitted feedback. We love to hear from you every week. Don't forget you can reach us at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com or you can use our handy-dandy form on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Like I said earlier, don't miss a beat and follow us uh, with your RSS aggregator with feeds.PriorityOnePodcast.com or search for us on iTunes. We're there too. Well, that wraps up episode 114. Broadcasted live from TrekRadio.net. Remember, we're on air every Thursday night at 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific. We've been getting some amazing feedback. It's always amazing. And we play much better to a live audience. You'll have fun. Don't forget, Captains, the Priority One Network is expanding, and we're in need of two audio editors to help with the weekly publication of our podcasts. So if you feel you're the guy or gal for the job, send us a sample of your work to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're looking for your suggestions and ideas for Trek It Out, field notes, and general show improvements and additions. You can submit your ideas and questions with our online form on the Priority One website or via email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com, Facebook, or Twitter. We're on Facebook. Head over to Facebook.com slash PriorityOnePodcast and say hi. Or check us out on Twitter via at StowPriorityOne for showtimes and lots of other cool stuff. Captains, we want to thank each and every one of you that has donated to PriorityOnePodcast.com. Your donations help keep the site running. We don't pocket any of that money. This is all a labor of love. We do this uh, out of our own pockets and because we love Star Trek and Star Trek Online and the Stowe community. If you have an extra buck or two to spare, visit us at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Click that donate button. Or if you're an Amazon shopper, take a look at our Amazon affiliate store on the sidebar of the website and support us while you shop. Lennon created an awesome little extension that you can install on your web browser, either in Chrome or Mozilla, so that as you shop on Amazon, it'll actually just add our affiliate code to there. So even if you're not buying something from our store, it'll still apply towards Priority One Podcast. Again, this does not record any private information from you. We don't get names. We don't get phone numbers, addresses, credit, nothing, nothing, nothing. A fraction of your purchase goes to PriorityOnePodcast.com at no additional charge to you. So thank you, everyone who has donated. We really appreciate it. Thank you for those of you who are using the Amazon affiliate code. We always appreciate the support. Without you, we couldn't do this. It's true. It's true. All right. We'd like to thank the entire team over at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Our executive producer, Elliot Tan. Our production assistant and art director, Alex Calderwood. Our audio engineer, Lennon Rich. And the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our special guest, Pug01 from the PVP Bootcamp. Special thanks to our sponsor, Sayulita.com, our syndication partners, Subspace Radio, Trek Radio, and the Trek Radio Live crew. And of course, the Stowe community. Without you, none of this would be possible. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. Engage.
Transfer complete. I have a cold, so this is uh, taking a bit of working through. Majel Barrett Water. Ooh. And published every Monday morning. Yeah. <laughs> every. So let me try that again. My cold is making me go woo Well, there's. Uh, actually, there. Um, okay, there's not plenty. Somebody's hitting me in the face with tribbles. What's going on? <laughs> How am I getting hit in the face with tribbles? I don't understand. Did, didn't you shave with a triple magnet shaving lotion this morning? <laughs> triple magnum. Triple magnum. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh... Yeah. Oh, God. A special guest. What? What? With the what? Oh, that's right. He's adding stuff in right now to the, uh, the documents. I think Dayquil is affecting me, so this makes it extra special. Special. Tell your girlfriends, tell your friends, tell, tell your, your mama and your, your papa and your sisters and your Hide your wives, cousins. hide your kids, hide your husbands. Hide your kids. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Double does not make the universe go round, Lita. Shut up.